right. So good to be here this morning with you. I am so grateful to God that he allowed me to see another day. And if you're just happy, glad to be here this morning, why don't you just clap your hands or say amen or... So there's some grateful people in the house. My name is Dr. Mondonico Williams. I, sit, I bring you greetings all the way from the lovely city of Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I brought my favorite son with me, Kylan. That's my favorite, that's my favorite son. Uh, so I brought my favorite son with me. Today, my wife and I have cele- we celebrated uh, 20 years uh, of marriage in June. I said my wife and I celebrated 20 years of marriage. This is America. People don't stay married no more. So to God be the glory, we have three lovely children. Mackenzie, our oldest, is leading worship today at our church, so she couldn't be with us. And so y'all wondering where my wife is. She's in sunny uh, Orlando with my youngest, vacationing. Don't ask me how or why, but that's, that's where they are. So uh, if, you, if you have a special uh, prayer time and you have a place in your prayer time, I ask that you would pray for our church. Uh, we've been a church for seven years, and uh, we've moved nine times. And I would love to tell y'all we busting out of the seams and no building can hold us, but uh, we can't seem to find a home. So will you please pray for us that God will land us where he would have us to, to be. I want to thank you all. Uh, for inviting me out again. Uh, this is the third time that I've been here. Uh, the first time I got a chance to be here, most of you, that if you were here, I got a chance to preach to you outside in lawn chairs. Uh, some of you may remember that. Uh, and then a couple of years ago, I was, I was here, and uh, we're here today. As, as my, my son and I were coming in, everybody was so nice and greeting us and had no clue that I was preaching. <laughs> I I shook somebody's hand during the greeting time. The lady said, why didn't you tell me you were preaching? I said, no, I just wanted to be a surprise. If you have a Bible, Ecclesiastes is where we're going to be. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. When you have it, please stand. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. Uh, If you're able to stand, please stand. I'm going to read a couple of verses um, um, of this text. I'm going to actually deal with it in my sermon. Um, I'm so grateful for... All of you that got out in the rain, y'all are really Christians. Because church folk don't come to church when it rains. So, so we're so, so grateful for all of you. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under the sun. Drop down to verse, um, drop down to verse number... Um, Let's, let's look at verse 5. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones. Look at verse 6. A time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. Drop down to verse number 9. We, what gain has the work? the worker for his toil. I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet so, he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them 
I just missed a whole verse. Oh, yeah, I'm good. Um, I perceive, <laughs> I don't have my glasses, y'all. Uh, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to your people. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds, that you would bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have your seats. Um, the, <clears throat> we're, we're in the ninth month of a new year, and with new years come new things. And, and, and uh, most of you may have made uh, resolutions, and by the third day of the new year, your resolution was gone. One of the things I, I don't, one of the things I like about a new year is we're able to um, start over, press reset. But one of the things I, I don't like about a new year is a new year is very unpredictable. Like, like who predicted that uh, the transmission would go out of your car? Like, who predicted at the beginning of the year that, that like, you, you would need uh, a new hot water heater? Like, Nobody can predict or forecast what is going to happen in a new year. Like, uh, who, who can predict that they would lose a loved one? On, on a church level, who could predict exponential growth on the church? Like, we can never predict the fact that when we go into this new year, we're going to have so many people that we're going to have to have four or five services. Like, that would be great if we could, right? But nobody can predict anything as it relates to life when it comes to a new year. Who would have predicted that, you know, you'd be searching for a new pastor? Like, there's no committee that, that gets together at the beginning of the year and say, hey, we're going to plan to search for a new pastor. Nobody does that, right? New years bring new things that are unpredictable on a personal level. Like, who, who can predict getting a new job or losing a job? We, we can't predict anything as it relates to a new year. Many times, as church planners and pastors, when we're called to a work and we're called to a church, we take our proverbial tombstone to the church place it in a, in a closet because we plan to live there and die or until Jesus come back. No, no pastor that really loves Jesus plans to go to a church for a, a, un, a, for, for a couple of years and, and just leave the church. That, that does not happen. Now, there are some that might do that, but people that, pastors that really have the heart of God, we come to the church with our proverbial tombstone. Nobody expects a pastor to leave their church, especially a founding pastor, right? We, 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 don't, we don't think like that. And we try to figure this out as Christians. We try to figure out why, why, why. We kind of like my children's, you know, my, our kids of the why generation. Well, why this? Why that? Why we got to do this, daddy? Why we got to do that? We, we don't, we don't, we ask questions, but we can never answer them. I've been in church a long time, y'all. I've been in church my whole life. Didn't say I've been saved all my life. I said I've been in church my whole life. And one thing I found out as I've been in church my whole life is our God is big. He's mighty. He's strong. And his plans for us go beyond our wildest dreams. 
See, if we could predict or think like God, you know what that makes us? God. I'm so glad that I serve a God whose mind is so bigger than mine, who's so deeper than I am. And I'm so grateful that he has a plan for us. One of the things we learn as we study the Bible is, you know, um, there are many fierce battles that we fight as Christians. And, 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 and one of the things we learn is the battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. This is not our church. This is God's church. This is his business. He does whatever he wants, when he wants, and how he wants because it's his. Uh, they tell me if it's in God's will, he'll foot the bill. Yeah, some of y'all got that, right? <laughs> God has assigned each of us a role to play in redemption, uh, in his plan to redeem the world. We get a chance to partner with this God. We collectively all get a chance to join together with God, with his plan. Today's message is a corporate message. It is designed for the body. It's not an individual message. And I'm, I'm so glad that there's a bunch of Christians here that love Jesus because it's raining. So I can talk to y'all today about what it means to try this. This message is designed to get a bunch of body parts to come together, uh, these, these individual body parts to come together to do what God has called this body to do. In Luke chapter 10, Verse two, the Bible says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send laborers into the harvest. The Lord has assigned the point a harvest. And that harvest must be reached. It is your responsibility to prepare for the harvest. Each individual person in this church, look at somebody say he's talking about me. No, no, yeah, I mean that. Like, look at the person next to you and say, he's talking about me. He's talking about you. It is your responsibility to ensure that this harvest that God is given is, is brought to pass. It's, it's your responsibility to go out and labor in the harvest field. Many times we as Christians, as Christ pursuers, many times, you know what we do? We over-spiritualize the simple and we under-spiritualize the supernatural. Listen, Longview Point, knowing what your mission and vision is, listen to me, knowing what your mission and vision is give you, give you a sense of purpose. It gives a sense of purpose to everyone that is involved in your ministry. In their book, Switch, the Heath brothers say this, before people can move in a new direction, they've got to have their bearings. The best way to do this is through a destination postcard. A destination postcard is a vivid picture for the near-term future that shows what could be possible. The possibilities can only be realized through a mission and a vision. Your mission is no different than any mission of any Christ open church in America, in the world, or in the, that has ever existed. You know what our mission is as the church? It is to make disciples of all nations. That's, all, that's our mission. 
Everybody has the same mission. Every church has the same mission. But the way it is fleshed out, the way it is incarnated, the way it, 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 that we, we, we make that happen is different from context to context. So the way we make disciples at our church may be a little bit different, but the goal is to make disciples. Jesus gave us the Great Commission. And Jesus gave us this Great Commission to, to go out into the world to tell people about him to tell the message that he came, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross for your sins, he's a propitiation for our sins, so when he died, we got his righteousness, our sins were poured on him, he dies, he was raised uh, on the third day, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. That is our job, to tell the world about Jesus. So, if we need to know our mission and our vision, and it's very important that you, as, as members of, of, of Longview Point, know what your mission is. So you know that your mission is to make disciples. You know that Jesus has called you to do that. And so I did a little research because I'm not a lazy preacher. I did a little, little research, and, 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 and I want to share this research with the visitors because the people of the point already know this, but I'm, I'm going to remind them. But for you visitors that's looking for a good church, I, I want to share the vision of this church uh, with you. Um, uh, the members already know this. And so from what I gather, your vision is, and I love, I love this, is to ex, 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 expand the kingdom across the street and around the world. Amen. I, that's marvelous. Um, um, where I'm from, we say that's dope. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, I, I like that. That's, that's good. Some people are like, what? Translation, it's great. <laughs> but in order <laughs> to, to complete your mission, you must flesh out your vision. So in order to make disciples, you got you to gotta flesh out extending, uh, um, expanding the kingdom uh, across the street and expanding around the world. You got to understand that. So in order to do so, do so, you must be mindful of objectives and goals. And so an objective is something that we strive to accomplish that will align you with your mission. A goal is a small accomplishment needed to meet the objective. I know I'm talking fast. Y'all going to have to get the podcast. But a goal without a plan is a wish. So you can have a goal, but if you don't have a plan, all you're doing is wishing. Your objective, your objective is to execute the plan for expanding the kingdom of God for the glory of his great name. I got that off your website. I didn't make this up. This is, this is, this is your objective. Um, your goal, there's four goals that I, that I, that I found um, for the point. And, and, and the first goal is this. It says this. It says, first, we want to introduce people to Jesus. When a person hears the gospel and is saved, they become kingdom citizens. Secondly, we want to make kingdom connections. As people study God's word together, live life together, and serve together, they will grow into faithful followers of Christ. Third, we want to build the kingdom, we want to build kingdom families. We envision our homes being kingdom outposts 
that shine brightly for Jesus in our community. Fourth, we want to be a church of kingdom advance. We will consistently go and consistently sin. We will carry the good news to our neighbors and to the ends of the earth. At the center of all of this is the cross. The gospel of Jesus Christ is central to all that we do. Y'all, that is so dope. I mean, that's so marvelous. That is so good. Kingdom citizens, kingdom connection, kingdom family, kingdom advancement, kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. I love it. Um, Am I the only one excited about your vision? I thought somebody would at least run around the church and say yes. All of this is gospel-centered. Longview Point, this is who you are. This is why this church was planted. This is why Dr. Humphreys worked for 16 years to get this church to a point where you don't need him. He worked so hard to get you to a point to lay a foundation that you could expand the kingdom of God across the street and you can expand the kingdom of God around the world. We ought to give God a great big hand clap that you had a leader that thought so much of the kingdom that he built a foundation that you could expand the kingdom of God across the street and around the world. When we examine this text, Y'all like, you going to get to the text? Yep, we're about to examine it right now. <laughs> we're going to find there's a time and season for everything. And in these times and seasons, nothing ever catches God off guard. When we talk about Solomon, Solomon writes this book. He's David's son. He succeeds David to the kingdom. He writes the book of Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, um, he's writing it from the viewpoint of a wise teacher. When he writes um, the Songs of Solomon, he's writing it as a royal lover. But but when he writes Ecclesiastes, he's writing it, get this, as a preacher. He's he's writing it as as a preacher. And and when we look at, at, at at, at, at what he's writing, when we look at this passage, he opens up this passage and he opens it up to encourage us that there's... In, in, in everything, there's a season. Look at verse 3 with me. He says, for everything, there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven. I thank God for seasons. I, I thank God for seasons. Um, when it's wintertime, um, when winter first began, I'm excited. You know why? Because I get to turn my AC off and I get to start dressing in layers. But, but that only works for about two weeks, and then it gets old, and then I'm, I'm praying for spring. And, and then when spring comes, I'm, I'm happy because I can, I can cut the heat off, I can get out of the layers, uh, uh, but, but, but one thing I don't like about spring is, it lasts for about the first week, but one thing I don't like is spring likes to box my allergies. Y- y'all to get that when you get home. Uh, I, I, you know, the pollen in Memphis is terrible. And so, so that lasts. And, and so then I'm longing, I'm longing for, for the summer. And, and, and I'm excited about the summer. And when the summer, when the summer comes, my allergies get a chance to rest. And because they get a chance to rest, I get a chance to cut the heat of the air condition back on because now it's starting to warm up. That lasts until August when I'm sick and tired of giving Memphis light gas and water God's money. 
I'm tired of blessing them by, by August. So, so I begin to look forward to the fall. And as the fall comes in, um, as the fall comes in, it's, it's probably one of my favorite, my favorite, my favorite times. But, but, but when the fall comes in, I love it until the leaves start falling. I, I love it until the leaves start falling because what I used to do is I used to get my leaves up to keep my lawn looking good. And then only to find out that my neighbor's leaves were just blowing into my yard. And so that frustrated me. So I said, you know what, I'm going to wait till he get his leaves up and then I'm going to let my leaves blow into his yard and then I'll get mine up. But I'm so grateful to God for seasons. I am so glad that seasons change. Solomon has given us something to put us at ease by letting us know that we won't always be cold. Summer's coming. We won't always be hot. Fall is coming. Solomon is putting us at ease and telling us, yo, Yo, seasons change. Things in your life will not stay the same. Life viewpoint. I came all the way from Memphis to tell you that when you find yourself in a, a season as a corporate body, I came to tell you that at some point that is going to end. This too shall pass. Seasons change. They have to change. Now, it's vitally important that we understand that Solomon has, has done some copying. Um, he didn't have copy and paste, but, but he copied a word. He used a word um, in, in, in this text. He, he uses a word uh, that should catch our attention. And as a preacher, when I see somebody do something like this in the, in the Bible, I think it's important. And so he used um, the word time over 30 times in this text. He uses the word time over 30 times in the text. And so, so when we look at this word time, it's a very broad, it's a very broad. Um, it's so broad that it's used over 704 times in the Old Testament. It, it has at least 25 meanings. And so um, as I was counting, I got tired, so I, I got up to 25. It might be more than that. Uh, but put, this particular translation is used 287 times. This word time is very important. When you read your, your Old Testament and your New Testament, of the 287 times Solomon himself uses this word, he uses it over 40 times in Ecclesiastes. Now, the Greeks saw time in two different ways. One way was the idea of chronos. That's where we get the word chronological. Um, it's, it's a word, when we, when we think about the word chronological, um, the Greeks understood chronos as a duration of time. They understood it as, as uh, sequential time. And so um, this, it's, it's the second that makes up the minute. It's the minute that makes up the hour. It's the hour that makes up the day. It's the day that make up the week. It's the week that make up the month. It's the month that make up the year. It's the day, the time, the hour that's stamped on your birth certificate. Yes. That's chronos. It is going to be, the, the chronos is going to be the time, the date uh, that's going to be stamped on your death certificate. Chronos has to do with hickory dickory dock. The mouse went up the clock. Clock struck one, mouse ran down, hickory dickory dock. So chronos has to do with hickory dickory dock. Other Greek, uh, other, other way Greeks saw uh, uh, this word um, um, for time is, is a kairos. Kairos is understood to be a point in time, a point in time. Uh, let me see if I can make this clear. Um, if, 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 if kairos happens in hickory dickory dock, 
More specifically, when the mouse went up the clock, the clock struck one and the mouse ran down. Kairos is a point in time. It is a moment. It is an opportunity. Don't sleep on me right now. Stay with me. It is a season. Okay. Kairos is a, a season. Sometimes uh, never have experience. Uh, so, so March 29th, 2003, my wife and I experienced something uh, that we never, ever experienced f- before. At 4 p.m., Kronos, we became parents. A story is told of a young boy who was in school. His, his teacher said, uh, how old? He's six years old. He says, how old is your dad? He said, six. She said, no, how old is your dad? He said, dad became dad when I was born. In this text, Solomon is talking about seasons in life that are controlled by our sovereign God. Look at the text with me. Verse 2, a season is a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together. Time to embrace, time to refrain from embracing, time to seek, time to lose, time to keep, time to cast away, time to tear, uh, a time to sow, a time to keep silent. Lord knows we need to learn that. And the time to speak, y'all understand that later, Uh, especially if you're on Facebook, Uh, a a time to love, a time to hate, a time uh, for war, and a time for peace. There's seasons in life which are planned by God, but are out of our control. And other seasons that are planned by God that we really have no control over. You cannot plan a season. Like, you might think you can plan a birth, but you really can't. You might think you can plan your death, but you really can't. You, you may, may, may think that you can plan things that you really can't. Listen, we can't even plan when we fall asleep. To the second, you can, you can say, I'm going to bed, but you can't plan when you're going to actually fall asleep. Verse 9 says this, what gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to man, the ch- has given to the children of man to be busy with. Look at verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its timing. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to the end. At this very moment, at this very time, in this very season, you are without a lead pastor. This is an unfamiliar season for you. It is an unfamiliar season, unfamiliar season for this church. I think it is important for you to plan on what type of pastor you will need to keep this beautiful legacy that Dr. Humphrey started. How can this new pastor help you? How can this new, new pastor lead you and continue to move this church forward in her mission and vision. We do not know what God has planned for this church. Your plans will come together because they're really not your plans. All right, 
They are his plans. Why? Because this is his church and we just get the opportunity to sit at the table. I want to show you in the Bible real quickly what the Bible says about plans. I'm not going to read all of this, but uh, write this down real quickly. Proverbs 16, uh, verse 1 through 4 says the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answers of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man appear in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Commit, commit your work to the Lord and your plans for the pastor that's going to lead you will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Proverbs 16, 9. The heart A man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Proverbs 21, 5, the plans of the diligent leads surely to abundance. Listen, don't just plan. You must soak your plans in prayer. Um, I'm not making this up. Um, uh, Paul is writing to the Philippian church in verse in chapter four, verse four, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonable reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasseth all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It is vitally important as you move forward in this process that you soak your plans in prayer, that you make your requests known to God. As I close, I want to share this with you. According to Peter Barnes, there are five phases of effective planning. You want to write this down. Five phases of effective planning. Five phases of effective planning include analysis, vision, planning, funding, and implementation. The five phases of effective planning includes, number one, analysis which asks this question, where are we? Where are we? The question is very simple. We're without a lead pastor. We're without a lead pastor. Second question, vision. Vision asks, where are we going? Where are we going? Well, here's where you're going. You got to seek God for his man for this season. Number three, Planning. Planning asks this question, how are we going to get there? Now, if you don't write anything down, I say, if you don't remember anything that I say today, I want you to remember this. As you are planning, how are you going to get there? Here's how you get there, Longview Point. Through fasting and prayer, prayer meetings and more prayer meetings. You need to have more prayer meetings than you have church meetings about the meeting that you need to have about finding a pastor. Don't ask me to say it again because I don't know what I said. (laughs) Prayer meetings and more prayer meetings. If you don't hear anything I say, fasting and prayer is how you are going to get there. 
Fourth, funding, which asks how we're going to pay for it. Well, through the generosity of you generous givers. Five, implementation. Implementation asks this. It asks the question, how are we doing? Each week, you must ask yourselves, how are we doing as it relates to these five um, these five effective ways or phases of planning. Um, William Arthur Ward, who's an inspirational writer, says this. Four steps to achievement is planning purposefully, preparing prayerfully, proceeding positively, and pursuing persistently. A vision without a plan is just a wish. It's just a dream. 